Welcome to First Mover, presented by Underdog Fantasy. If you still haven't signed up for Underdog Fantasy, do so now. Promo code UNDERWORLD. That'll get you a $100 deposit match. Promo code UNDERWORLD. You put in $100, now you have $200 to use on player props with Underdog. And they have other sports too. I happen to play almost exclusively football. They got basketball, baseball. They've got esports. It's There are so many sports right now in their pick'em finder. It's amazing. And I think the underdog, these player props are actually the perfect complement to DFS. When I'm playing DFS, I want all my players to go nuclear. I want shootouts. I would love for there to be 75 combined points in a game, yards on yards, touchdowns on touchdowns. But with player props, The majority of bettors are going to pound the overs and they're going to try and make it like DFS. They want it to be fun. They want to just take, I'm just going to take over and over this and over that. Oh, I want this player to do well. And this player, Jamar Chase, he's going to crush it. Stephon Diggs is going to crush it. DJ Moore, crush it. This running back, crush it. And they are just pounding these overs. It's so much fun until you lose because overs do not hit as often as the unders. So DFS, you you root for the shootouts. That's a lot of fun. Player props, it's a lot of fun to make money. So I primarily take unders. Embrace the shootouts for DFS. Embrace the low scoring games with player props. And make sure to check out the DFS Dominator package on playerprofiler.com. In addition to getting access to the Lineup Genius, which is our DFS tournament lineup optimizer, you also get our cash game optimizer, our value and upside finders for all fantasy relevant players, So the value finder is just looking at the player's DFS salaries on DraftKings and FanDuel and looking at their projection, their base projection, and looking at how good of a value they are. The upside finder, we calculate the 85th percentile projection for every player, which is basically like a a 1 in 6, 1 in 7 chance that they're going to hit that type of outcome in a week. And that our idea is that you... If you can stack up a few players that are hitting their 85th percentile outcome, they're getting the those flames on DraftKings, you have a good chance to take down a tournament, enter the money. It's a good place to be. So you have that as well. And then you also have the underdog pick'em finder, where you get my favorite over and under underdog fantasy lines each week. It's only $40 to sign up for the DFS Dominator package on playerprofiler.com. And then also a reminder that I'm working on a player prop strategy guide to help you become more profitable with player props. This year, it's actually something I have gotten incredibly into. And one aspect of it that I really like, aside from how non-time consuming it is, I mean, you can hit a couple dozen over-unders in five to 10 minutes on underdog. It is quick. But another aspect I like, the payouts are much more consistent once you have a good strategy. Not everyone can weather the losses in DFS. Nor does everyone want that anxiety, or do they want to even ride that roller coaster of emotions? This year, I'm up about 3,000 in DFS, mostly because of one big week. In these eight weeks, I have had six weeks where I lost about 50% of my entry fees. I had one week where I was slightly profitable. And then I had one absolutely super, super massive profitable week where I took down a couple tournaments on FanDuel. And that's what propelled me so far this year. And that's generally what's going to happen in DFS. Most weeks you're going to lose, and then occasionally you hit really big, and all nine players in your lineup go off, and you make a ton of money, and that gets you through to the next season. But if you're just like, hey, I want to make money most weeks, 
Well, for me and the strategy guide I'm going to release, it's it's player props. I've made money six of eight weeks this year with player props. So almost every single week I've been profitable. And that's kind of nice to balance out most weeks where you're going to have, you're going to be in the red with DFS most weeks. So it's kind of nice that there's player props where usually I'm I'm in the black most weeks. And I'm, I'm up pretty nicely on the year as well. About the same actually. Closing in on three grand up for player props as well. So that's nice. Hopefully one day I have the the massive Josh Larkey School of Analytics bankroll and I can be dropping $10,000 per week on these contests. Not quite there yet. Maybe next year. And also, if you're wondering about the strategy guide, it's coming to playerprofiler.com. So just stay tuned. I have one other project in the docket that I'm finishing and then 100% of my non-DFS and player projections time can go to that strategy guide. Now, a quick recap of week eight DFS. I lost money this week. I had a lot of Rob Gronkowski. Oof. Ridley was ruled out for personal reasons at the last minute. I pivoted to a lot of Kyle Pitts and Russell Gage. Pitts, two catches, 13 yards. Russell Gage did not catch any passes. I really liked Emmanuel Sanders in that Buffalo Dolphins game. Four targets, no receptions. DeAndre Swift. Wow. No Jamal Williams. DeAndre Swift. Just under, he had nine fantasy points, just under 10 fantasy points. So because of those things, it was really hard for me to be profitable. I had a couple decent lineups, no massive lineup, and overall, uh, just too many duds from the players I mentioned. And I think a really important thing is when you have a week like that, it's good to say, would I have done things differently? So I had a lot of lineups just nuked because Gronk took a fat zero in the tight end slot. Would I have done things differently? Rob Gronkowski was expected to play. He was supposedly going to be limited. He played in the late afternoon games, which means just in general, fewer people are going to play him when it's kind of a gross play where they're like, oh, is he limited? What's going to happen? What if he just doesn't even suit up? There's a lot of fear there. And as a result, Rob Gronkowski was in 3% of lineups in a lot of the tournaments I was playing on DraftKings. Despite him being the tight end one going into that game per game, per game tight end one in fantasy points at only $4,600 and no Antonio Brown. How could I pass that up? I wouldn't have done anything differently. I would take that gamble again and be several times over the field with a Rob Gronkowski in that matchup. And I think that's important is to think about when when these players are said to be limited, sometimes they really are and they're on a strict snap count. Other times they're not. Remember Rashad Bateman's first game? It was like, oh, he's Rashad Bateman's barely going to sniff the field. And then he ended up playing about two-thirds of snaps and had six targets in his first game back from a core muscle surgery. And then they asked the coaches afterwards and they said, well, we were going to limit him and he just looked too damn good out there, so we kept him out there. And that possibility existed for Rob Gronkowski. And that's why I had a lot of Gronk this past week. When else am I going to have such an inexpensive high-end tight end one where nobody plays him in DFS? A gamble I would make again. And that's important because this week I lost money and I could just go, oh man, the lesson, I just can't play these potentially injured players. And I don't think that's the lesson. I think the lesson is that it's okay to take those gambles. And if it turned out that Rob Gronkowski was played in 20% of lineups, then I would say, wow, I made a big mistake. I was playing a semi-injured limited player along with everyone else. That's pretty dumb. But 3% rostered in all those DFS contests, that is what I was chasing. It just didn't work out. 
I will say though, on first mover, my big hot take of the week was was really simple. It was Justin Fields had over 30 pass attempts, over eight rush attempts in week seven. The usage was there. Eventually the fantasy production will be there. He was about uh, 10 points over my hot take. My hot take was you could take down a tournament if Justin Fields sneaks in 18 fantasy points. He's only 5K on DraftKings. He gave you insane flexibility. He gave you 10 more than that. I think he gave you 28 DraftKings points. My goodness. That was a good call. We'll see what my hot take is for this week. Hopefully it is just as good a call as that though. That may end up being the best call of the year was calling the Justin Fields breakout and saying, look, it's going to happen. He's going to produce. You can't just put up seven fantasy points every single week as a mobile QB. And sure enough, there it was. Week eight, Justin Fields no longer going to be a, a hidden commodity. We know who he is now. Over 100 rushing yards and a touchdown. It was fun to watch. Now, big news this week was Derrick Henry, probably done for the season, at least done for the fantasy season. And one thing that I think is interesting that I was thinking about is uh, you're playing with fire when you have Derrick Henry. And that Derrick Henry himself, he's playing with fire. The NFL, it's a dangerous sport. He's out on the field a lot and he's touching the ball a lot. And he was on pace for a historic workload. I think he was on pace to just smash the the previous season high for touches from a running back. He was on pace for like 500 touches in a season. Just crazy. And I think an interesting parallel is that we can look at him. uh, We can look at Saquon Barkley. We can look at Christian McCaffrey and that these high usage, high snap percent players, they're often getting injured. And you might say, well, Saquon Barkley's injury was a freak injury this time. It was. He got stepped on. Total, total freak injury. So, Josh, what are you going to take away from that? It it was a freak injury. Well, when you have a 90% snap share like a Barkley, like a McCaffrey, even if you're not touching the ball every time, just being on the field is dangerous. You might block a guy. You could get stepped on. You might get hit from behind. You might get crumpled up in a pile. You might try and dive on a loose ball that the QB fumbles. And next thing you know, there's a big dude jumping on you. Then another big dude. And next thing you know, there are eight players on top of you and something happens. And that's kind of why a guy like Alvin Kamara has done so well throughout his career. And he's been relatively healthy season to season. Kamara, I mean, this year it's kind of crazy. He's been touching the ball a lot more. And maybe with Mark Ingram, they'll start to bring Kamara back to his his previous role. But Kamara was always a pass catcher and that he was getting a... He was only on the field half the time. So only half the time he's actually out on the field, potentially getting tackled, potentially getting stepped on, potentially getting injured. And he had a, he's had a really good career. And I feel like DeAndre Swift's kind of like that as well, where DeAndre Swift, could he get injured? Could something happen? Sure. But his snap count is lower than a lot of the other quote-unquote bell cow running backs. He's not touching the ball nearly as much because he's getting those efficient touches in the passing game for scoring fantasy points. And that just the the Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, these guys are so fun. Dalvin Cook, love seeing the guys get all the touches. They're out on the field. They never leave the field. Najee Harris could very well be the next guy where he never leaves the field. And you're just playing with fire. There's a good chance something could happen. He could get stepped on. He could break something. He could tweak something. And then I think not just running backs, but I think it's important to think about this, especially in Dynasty too with quarterbacks. Very few mobile quarterbacks have really long, successful careers in history. I know there's sort of this this paradigm shift. There, there's been this big shift recently where mobile quarterbacks are more desired by NFL teams. There's more of them. But think about a Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, these guys that have these really long, relatively injury-free careers. They're not doing much per play. They take the snap. They 
they step back two, three, four, five, six, seven times, and then they go like this and they throw the ball. They move their arm. There's just not that much going on. They're not using their body that much. They're not using their muscles that much. They're not getting tackled as much. And that each, they're, every quarterback is going to have 100% snap share. But that per play, Brady's doing less. Rivers was doing less. And then think about the, the mobile quarterbacks that do more. Think about how much Jalen Hurts does per play. Think about how many miles he's running per game, scrambling away from the defense, trying to make things happen, rushing for first downs. Lamar, same way. You look at these guys and you go, wow, they are working really hard. They're taking more contact potentially. Their muscles are at least working harder. They're moving around more and there's just more opportunities per play for these guys to get injured. That's why we just haven't seen a mobile quarterback have a long successful career relatively injury free. It was Russell Wilson. He was the only mobile quarterback to have a decade-ish long career without injuries. This year, injured. Very unfortunate, kind of a freak injury, but it's the idea that you're just playing with fire. And that in Dynasty, these mobile quarterbacks are fun. They're going to score you a ton of fantasy points per season. But someone like a Kirk Cousins, he can have a pretty long career and he can really be a strong Dynasty asset and super flex for you, where every year Cousins is producing. And that he's likely going to be more stable and have fewer injuries than these other mobile quarterbacks. And that through history, like the Michael Vick, Donovan McNabb, Dante Culpepper, Robert Griffin, these mobile quarterbacks, they just, they really struggle to stay healthy. And a lot of the the injury people out there will say, well, I don't, they're not getting more injured than these other quarterbacks. Look at games missed per season. And it's like, well, for some reason, these guys don't have long careers. Why is that? Until someone can explain to me why these mobile quarterbacks do not have long careers and why so many of them have their careers cut short due to injury, I'm going to blame it on how much harder they work per drop back, per snap than the pocket passers. And also it's something that I do want to spend more time researching to be able to further have a more and more nuanced take on this situation. But I just felt like the Henry injury just happened. And I feel like those are some relevant thoughts for you all to think about with Dynasty and that when you're looking at your running back, it is nice to have a pass catching running back like Swift who puts up a lot of fantasy points, knowing he's going to touch the ball less than a Jonathan Taylor that he's going to touch the ball less than a Dalvin Cook each game. All right, let's now dive in to the Week 9 DFS slate. On DraftKings, we start at quarterback. Josh Allen, 8,200, most expensive. He's at Jacksonville. That's a good matchup for him. Jacksonville just got kind of crushed by Geno Smith. Josh Allen, bounce back game after struggling against Miami. I like this one. Possibly the game of the week. This guy, the, the massive game total. Everyone's going to be trying to get a piece of the action. It's this Green Bay at Kansas City game for week nine. Mahomes, 7,800. Rogers, 7,500. This one could really have some fireworks. Could be super high scoring. Personally, prefer the Mahomes side just because the Packers are a fairly slow-paced team. But I think they're both viable this week. But uh, you want to know my favorite quarterback this week? Absolute favorite quarterback on DraftKings, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson versus Minnesota. He is coming off his bye. He's all well-rested. He is only 7,300. How can you make Lamar Jackson $200 cheaper than Aaron Rodgers? It doesn't make sense. I also like Justin Herbert, 7,000 at Philly. Herbert has not looked good the last couple weeks, but we know he has the massive upside. Jalen Hurts on the other end at home against the Chargers. 
He's only 6,700. Those are both just great prices for what could be a sneaky shootout this week. And the Chargers and the Eagles, they're both strong defenses against quarterbacks this year in fantasy. Ranked number two and three most difficult. You'll see the red ink in DFS when you're looking on DraftKings. Perfect. Because Justin Herbert is a good enough real-life quarterback to put up a huge game against anyone. Remember, Herbert dropped 45.8 fantasy points against Cleveland in week five. Yet the past two games, Herbert has disappointed, struggling against both Baltimore and the Patriots. And Jalen Hurts came back to life in fantasy in week eight, finally staying below the 20 fantasy point threshold in that blowout win versus Detroit. But both their salaries are very palatable. And just like Herbert being a good real-life quarterback and that no defense is ever going to get me off of him, especially at that price tag, Jalen Hurts just doesn't score fantasy points like any other quarterback outside maybe Lamar Jackson. And Hurts is most likely not going to be very affected by matchup each week because of how uniquely he scores fantasy points on the ground. Another QB to watch if he suits up. Dak, 6,900 versus Denver. He's just too cheap if he plays 6,900 for Dak. Nice. Another one I really liked was Tua Tagovailoa facing Houston. He's only 5,800. They should just smash the Texans. And 5,800, it's a great price for a quarterback that we've seen go over 25 fantasy points multiple games this year. I like it. Another guy I see, feels like I talk about him almost every week, Daniel Jones versus Vegas. He's only 5,600. Monday night football happens in about an hour. We'll see how that goes. But Daniel Jones, 5,600. I like that price tag. Very mobile. He's starting to get his weapons back. He should have both Shepard and Tony this week, or I guess tonight for Monday Night Football. We'll see how that goes. But if he's been able to put up some decent fantasy lines with not a fully healthy supporting cast, then I will continue to play him when he's really inexpensive and when nobody else wants to play him. Taysom Hill, if he clears the concussion protocol, remember Jameis Winston done for the year tore his ACL. If Taysom Hill's named the starter, he's only 5,500 against the Falcons. So you're just getting a full Konami QB at a massive discount. And then the last guy you want a budget quarterback, it's Trevor Lawrence, 5,400 versus Buffalo. Trevor Lawrence had 54 pass attempts. So it's kind of like $5,400 salary, 54 pass attempts yesterday against Seattle. And he really struggled. But that pass attempt volume is promising. And James Robinson is likely out a few weeks due to injury, which should force Jacksonville to be potentially even heavier with the pass. It's just like Justin Fields, where I was like, I know, I get it. Justin Fields has been terrible in fantasy, but the usage is there. With Trevor Lawrence, it's gross, but the usage is there. 54 pass attempts. If you can get a quarterback with the potential for over 50 dropbacks and he's mobile for 5,400, I am going to take that risk. Turning to FanDuel, Josh Allen's at the top as well against Jacksonville, 9,000. I like Hertz and Herbert, 7,800, 7,600 respectively. And then once again, Trevor Lawrence is a great price there as well. He's only 6,400. On FanDuel, Trevor Lawrence is below Baker Mayfield. He's below Mac Jones. He's below Davis Mills. Lawrence is even below Cooper Rush. Trevor Lawrence is just too talented. He's mobile. And this price tag won't last long. Just like last week was the Fields breakout in fantasy, this week could be the Lawrence breakout in fantasy. Running back, DraftKings. Alvin Kamara, 8,200 versus Atlanta. He's at the top. I really like Eckler, 7,900 at Philly. This past week, Eckler, 11 carries, 10 targets. The, the role is ridiculous for Eckler. We know it's good offense that there's going to be 
some big touchdown weeks because he's also their goal line and red zone back. Every week you should be sprinkling in some Eckler. But then you drop down a touch more and it's like, holy cannoli. Dalvin Cook's only 7,700 at Baltimore. I don't know what's going on there. So just these price tags on these Baltimore and Vikings players, it's really low across the board. I also like Aaron Jones, 7,200 at Kansas City. The whole world thinks that's going to be high scoring. Aaron Jones could have a large chunk of that, 7,200. And then I also like Chuba Hubbard, 6,100 versus New England. He's, you'll notice he's going to be in a lot of our optimizers lineups each and every week he's the starter because the, the role is great for Chuba. The past four weeks as the starter, Chuba Hubbard, he's only cracked 20 fantasy points once during this stretch, but 19 carries and four targets a game on average. That is an exceptional role, and he's only 6,100 versus New England. Turning to FanDuel, Alvin Kamara's at the top, 9,400. Once again, Chuba Hubbard, 6,800 versus New England. That's a great price. And then if you want to go budget running back on FanDuel, Kenny Gainwell, 5,200 on FanDuel. That is cheap. I think he's worth the risk in a couple lineups just in case his role changes in week nine. We saw one week. That's a sample size of one, one week with Gainwell, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard. It was also a crazy game script. They just totally pooped on the the Detroit Lions. Crazy game script. And is this running back room set in stone? It might be. It might not. I think it's worth the gamble to go back to Kenny Gainwell sparingly in week nine because none of us really expected Jordan Howard and Boston Scott to get all the high-value touches and to each have two touchdowns in that game. We didn't expect that. We didn't see it coming. So, I don't know. Could we see Kenny Gainwell get some high-value or all the high-value touches in Week 9? We could. Sample size of one with Miles Sanders out. I'm going to sprinkle in some Gainwell for Week 9. Turning to receiver on DraftKings, Devontae Adams at the top, 8200 at Kansas City. Seems like a pretty reasonable price to me. Going against a terrible defense. He's the best receiver in the NFL. And then also Tyreek Hill on the other end, 7,900 versus Green Bay. If you can fit those two in a DFS lineup and somehow make it work, there's a lot of upside there. You could have two 30-plus point receivers in your lineup from that game, nice and correlated. I also like DJ Moore down at 6,400 versus New England. The role is still great. He's still getting the targets. Sam Darnold just hasn't been very good. Looks like we might have PJ Walker this week versus New England. I'll sprinkle in a little bit of DJ Moore, 6,400. It's a good price tag. Walker might just pepper him with targets. Robbie Anderson is toast. We'll see if Terrace Marshall returns. Still still not playing due to the concussion he suffered two weeks ago. And then another guy, Amari Cooper, is 5,700 versus Denver. 5,700. I mean, Amari Cooper, all he did in week eight was 13 targets, eight catches, 122 yards, and a touchdown. Just below him, I also like Waddle. Jalen Waddle, 5,600 versus Houston. He's had 11 targets per game on average the past three weeks. This past week, Devontae Parker returned. It didn't matter. Jalen Waddle still had 12 targets. Going to be playing some Waddle. We'll see what happens in less than an hour on Monday Night Football, but assuming Kadarius Tony has a good game like I think he will, Tony will be 5,200 versus Vegas for week nine. I like that price tag. My favorite receiver of the week, Rashad Bateman, is 4,000. I don't know what happened. He's coming off his bye. Six targets in both games this year. And remember with Bateman, Bateman missed lots of valuable practice time. He had surgery. He's a rookie. And this bye week could be really big for him. So 
I'm going to be playing a lot of Rashad Bateman at 4,000 versus Minnesota. On FanDuel, oh, actually, I will say, also, if you want to cram in Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams into a lineup, you want a third receiver who's cheap, Rashad Bateman, 4K. It'll help make it work. FanDuel, Adams at the top. Devontae Adams is 9,000 at Kansas City. And my favorite FanDuel receiver, though, is Kadarius Toney. He's only 5,700 on that platform against Vegas. My goodness. Moving on to tight end. On DraftKings, Travis Kelsey is too cheap again. I don't know what they're doing with his price tag there. He used to live in the 8,000 range, I guess. They decided uh, we don't we don't want that to happen anymore, so okay. Travis Kelsey, 7,000 this week at the top. Darren Waller, 6,200 at the Giants. There's a lot of good tight ends this week. I'm just going to rifle through everyone that caught my eye. Pitts, 5,900 at New Orleans. Andrews, 5,500 versus the Vikings. Mike Gesicki, 4,900 versus Houston. Dalton Schultz, 4,800 versus Denver. Dallas Goddard, 4,500 versus the Chargers. As you can see, there's just a lot of really nice tight end options. And I think that's going to make sure that the no one is playing too much of any tight end in DFS this week because there's so many good options. So I like that. I like knowing that I'm not going to have to worry too much necessarily about who the chalk tight end is if there's six, seven, eight, nine really strong options for the week. I also like Dan Arnold, 3,400 versus Buffalo. Arnold was my favorite tight end for week eight. And what did Dan Arnold do? 10 targets, 8 receptions, 68 yards in week 8 at only 2,800. That was a smash at his price tag. Jared Cook, 3,300 at Philly. And super budget tight end, Tyler Conklin is only 3K at Baltimore. 7 targets, 5 catches, 57 yards in week 8 against Dallas. Conklin's getting 5.3 targets a game this year. Play some 3K Tyler Conklin to fit in some studs in DFS. On FanDuel, Kelsey at the top as well, 7,800 versus Green Bay. And then I really keep going back to him again, Jared Cook, 5,200 on FanDuel. There's just five Justin Herbert targets sitting there for Cook each week. I'm going to keep playing Jared Cook. We know he has 20 fantasy point upside, and he's at such an inexpensive price tag. Moving on to defense special teams, the sexiest part of this show. On DraftKings, the Patriots... Defense is at the top. They're facing Carolina. They're actually at Carolina, 4,100. Will they just keep the the death spiral of Sam Darnold going in week nine? Most likely. That's why they're expensive. I really like the Falcons defense though. 2,500 at New Orleans. Who is the quarterback? Is it Trevor Simeon? Is it Taysom Hill? Either way, I'm probably going to take that gamble. I just like playing defenses against backup quarterbacks. Falcons, 2,500. On FanDuel, the Bills are the most expensive defense. They're 5,200. They're at Jacksonville. So it's kind of funny to have two road defenses as the most expensive, but the matchups are great. And just like on DraftKings, on FanDuel, I also like the Falcons. Falcons, I think they were the second, second, let me check that. Confirmed, second cheapest defense, 3,200 on FanDuel. Gotta be playing some Falcons against whoever the Saints quarterback is. Take a sip of water and then we're gonna dive into the games. All right, let's dive into those games. We have 11 games on the slate for week nine DFS. First, we got uh, we got the Vikings at the Ravens. 49 and a half point game total. Ravens, five and a half point favorites. This is just a good game to play all around. Cousins is inexpensive. Lamar is inexpensive. Bateman's underpriced. Dalvin Cook's underpriced. Ta- Tyler Conklin's underpriced. There's some really good values here. Potentially pretty high scoring game. Going to be playing a lot of that one. A game I'll be playing a lot less of 
is the Patriots at the Panthers. 43-point game total. Patriots are actually three-point favorites on the road. That's just an ugly game environment. Next one, I like this one if Dak plays. The Broncos at the Cowboys, 49.5-point game total. Cowboys favored by just over a touchdown. If Dak plays, yeah, you got to play some Dak. I might experiment and play a little bit of Teddy Bridgewater, potentially, in this matchup as well, in case it's a full-on shootout, because he has Judy back. So if you have Sutton, Judy, Fant, I'm going to like that quarterback with those weapons in a high game total type of game, but more interested in Dak if he plays. Another one, Cleveland at the Bengals, 46 and a half point game total, Bengals favored by two and a half. And Joe Burrow's been a lot of fun. The Bengals have been a lot of fun. Jamar Chase is killing it. Joe Mixon's had a really strong fantasy season, but let's sprinkle or just straight up pour, just dump some cold water on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's had some good fantasy weeks, even though he's not passing the ball that much. This is a low pass attempts team, the Bengals, surprisingly, actually. Burrow this year, why is he produced in fantasy? It is his 8.1% touchdown rate, and that's going to come down at some point. I think he's kind of a trap going forward. Could he have another big game? Could he have the high touchdown rate? Yeah. However, overall, I do think his fantasy production is going to dip unless the team starts throwing significantly more or playing at a much faster pace. For comparison, this year, Joe Burrow, 8.1% touchdown rate. Brady, who has much better weapons overall and is a better quarterback. Tom Brady, not 8.1%, 7.3%. Aaron Rodgers, 6.6%. Mahomes, 6.5%. Herbert, 5.7%. Cousins, 5.1%. Lamar, 4.4% touchdown rate. Joe Burrow's probably not going to have a higher touchdown rate than all of them come end of season. Beware. The next game is the Bills at the Jaguars. 48 and a half point game total. The Bills are favored by two touchdowns on the road. Pretty embarrassing for Urban Meyer. Can't say I'm all that surprised by that line though. I'll be playing a good amount of Josh Allen and I will again, like I said, be playing some Trevor Lawrence. Team Larky chases usage. So stack up both those teams for DFS. Next game, Houston at Miami. It's a higher game total than I would have thought initially. It's 46 points. Miami favored by a touchdown. I like the the Tua side of things here. We kind of know who he's passing to each week. It's Waddle, Parker, Gesicki. So it's pretty easy to stack or double stack Tua. And then on Houston, you can run it back with Brandon Cooks or you can just not run it back. Pretty straightforward there. Next game is the Falcons at the Saints. Pretty low, 44-point game total. Saints favored by five and a half, despite not knowing who the quarterback is. Pretty gross game. I'm going to mostly avoid it. I might dabble with a couple Matt Ryan stacks. And if Taysom Hill is cleared from the protocol, I'll play a little Taysom Hill, potentially just naked in tournaments. Just have a really correlated lineup elsewhere. And then just have a 5,500 Taysom Hill just airdrop him in. Next game is Vegas at the Giants. 47 and a half point game total. The Giants are three point underdogs at home. And I like Daniel Jones here, as I mentioned. I also think Derek Carr is a fine play. Derek Carr has been having himself a phenomenal season, both in real life and in the fantasy points department. So this is another game, just like how I was saying that uh, like Minnesota Baltimore could be a shootout, that Buffalo Jacksonville could be a little more of a shootout than some might expect. I think that just Vegas at the Giants I could very well see this game going over. I think if I had to pick right now, I would say over. So I really like that game environment. 
Next one is Chargers at the Eagles. Pretty big 51-point game total. Chargers favored by about a field goal on the road. And I'm going to be playing some of each quarterback. I think it's a really good one where we have two pretty elite fantasy producers at quarterback. And these offenses have been really volatile week to week, which is good. It's DFS. We don't need to win every time. We just want to win big every now and then. And there's definitely the potential for both Herbert and Hurts to just crush it and both hit 30 fantasy points in this game. Next game, the the marquee matchup, Packers at the Chiefs. I don't need to tell you to play this game. You're going to play this game. I'm going to play this game. Packers at the Chiefs, 55-point game total. Chiefs favored by about a field goal. That's just, this is just a magical game for DFS. I'm excited about this one. We finally get to play some Packers because I've been team no Packers in DFS most weeks. Finally, they're facing an up-tempo team, a very good offense in the Chiefs. Packers are going to have to throw. Potentially, they step up the pace a little bit. Doesn't matter. Should be a lot of points scored in this one. Finally, playing some Rodgers. And the 11th game on the slate is the Cardinals at the Niners. 46 and a half point game total. Cardinals, nearly three point favorites on the road. And I'm just not that excited about this game. It's hard to get too passionate about a Jimmy Garoppolo offense. And then on the other end, Kyler Murray did hurt his ankle in last week's game. Could mean less scrambling. Murray has just been significantly less strong as a fantasy asset when he can't use his legs fully in that. I just don't really like paying up for a potentially non-mobile, non-elite passer in a Kyler Murray. So probably not fully fading this game, but it's definitely a game that I expect to be below the field on come Sunday for week nine. We made it. Thanks to everyone for sticking around. Let's get you out of here. What is the signature hot take for this week? Will it be as good as the Justin Fields week eight hot take? No, probably not. Just being honest. But I will say, using only... 28.6% of your DraftKings budget and filling 33% of your lineup. So filling a higher percent of your lineup than the salary costs. And in that, utilizing a quarterback slot. Quarterbacks are expensive. Here is a stack and run back for you. Lamar Jackson, Rashad Bateman, Tyler Conklin. That stack and run back is only 14,300 total. Lamar, Bateman, Lamar, Bateman, Conklin. That's going to get you 65 or more fantasy points and help you take down a tournament. 